Ah, here we go again. Another compliance training. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today to talk about <sighs> fiscal He's compliance so in the new year. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of DIY Narrator. Josh Risser here, professional voiceover talent specializing in e-learning narration, and I'm here to help you do a better job when you can't hire someone like me to narrate your e-learning project, and you got to do it yourself. That's the DIY. Today is a little bit of a different episode because last week I was cruising through the LinkedIn's, as I typically do, and I come across a video from a guy I follow named Devlin Peck. Many of you probably follow him too, and he released a great video called Does Your E-Learning Project Need Narration? Obviously, piqued my interest, because there's not a lot of people talking about the necessity of narration and how to do it right. It's actually one of the things which, surprisingly, no one really talks about. Voiceover talents are just out there knocking on your door trying to get hired, and from a pedagogy standpoint, the voiceover talent is not really the person who should be talking about applications of narration and how it affects the learner, really. I mean, we can do a good job of talking about how to act it and how to act like you are in the room with the learner speaking directly to them as if, you know, you're trying to teach them one-on-one. -on -one. But uh, whether or not the application of narration in that particular e-learning module is important or effective or even engaging, as someone might say, is the point of narration that's not really our boat. And that's not really mine, honestly. That's why I try to stay away from that topic, because I'm in over my head. That said, Devlin released this great video, which is just shy of 10 minutes, and I will link to it in the show notes and in the posts that I put out on social for this. I definitely recommend you go out and watch it, because there's some great points in here. In fact, there's nothing I can really disagree with on any level. I just wanted to riff on it a little bit from my perspective as the narrator. His first overarching point is problems with narration. And the first thing I totally agree with is it takes control away from the learner. And like he said in the video, when someone's narrating, a lot of the authoring tools don't have the ability to speed up or slow down. So the learner is at the mercy of the narrator's pacing. And that is a, is a big problem, especially if the learner may be having a difficult time comprehending the concept or if it's a review for them, they want to go faster. The narrator really locks them in. Now, when we think of how narration is applied in other things, like maybe a TV show, which you can be learning from, say it's, you know, Discovery Channel in 1994, when it was actually, you know, learning, the narrator can help move the story along, help tie plot points together, and help reinforce some ideas without being the driving force behind the learning that's happening, because the learning should be happening in the visuals and the story that's being told. His next point was how it can be distracting if you're reading the same text on the screen as the narrator and how if the narrator's dragging or going too fast, you're not keeping up and you just you won't be able, you'll just completely overload yourself. And yeah, never put the same text on the screen as the narrator will be reading. It should be supplemental information. It should be the key points so the person listening and learning can connect the stuff the narrator's saying to the overarching topics. Just like a PowerPoint presentation, if you're going to be in front of a group, you're not reading the screen the whole time. Not necessary. That's what slide notes are for. 
Something I do think it's important, and I've had it mentioned when I've narrated courses, is uh, you should have the script available to them. If they want to go back and hear what the narrator said, but not listen to the narrator again, you should be able to click a button to, to open the script for the narration and read it on your own, just in case you need to go back and review. Also, closed captioning should be available for accessibility and for weirdos like me who kind of like watching TV with captions on. Yeah, it's strange. I get it. But that's kind of beside the point, and a little bit of a tangent there. Um, he also mentions next it requires a much higher budget to do well, and then he starts to talk about visuals instead of the narration. And honestly, I think narration itself requires a little bit of more of a budget to do well, even if you're doing it in-house. Because you got to spend the time to do a good job. You have to spend the time to get better at it. And you need more than just an empty office and a Blue Yeti. You've got to do a little bit of work on the editing side, post-production, removing noise, and knock down some of that echo in your room with some blankets or go record in a closet or something. It requires more of a budget on the audio side as well as the visual side. And when I say budget, I mean time and money. Back to his point, and actually moving on to his point about when to use narration, the first one is describing complex visuals or animations, and I totally agree. He goes on to describe something about like the human heart. And what you want to do is have pairing of narration with something complex. If you think about how you might work through, say, a, an installation manual for something that you're not entirely familiar with, Say you're fixing your washing machine, totally not something I've done recently, and you need to find your way around the washing machine visually, but you also are kind of reading an installation manual for, you know, let's just say the control board for the electronics. And so you look at the manual, you read it, you look at the washing machine, the visual, and you're like, okay, I kind of see what we're talking about. And you look at the manual, and you read it a little bit, and you look at the washing machine, and you go back and forth until what you read in the manual starts to build a picture in your head. And when you look at the washing machine, the visual, you start to understand what the words are all about. Hopefully, the narration plus the visual helps you build that understanding of a complex concept in your brain, so you don't need either of them to really understand what's going on. But the two really need to support each other and not conflict with each other while the learner is trying to pick up the concepts. If you had someone talking to you while you're trying to read the same thing and there was a complex visual, cognitively, you'll just be completely overloaded. Devlin actually goes into this at about five minutes into the video. I definitely recommend you check it out. And then he links over to his Mayor's Principles video, which I've yet to watch. But knowing what I know about Mayor's Principles, it's data and research backed information about applying multimedia elements to your e-learning. Whenever there's actual data behind an idea around applying something, that's when you can start to build a case for using that something, the multimedia piece, whether it's visual, auditory, animation, whatever. There's one point here that I might actually disagree with Devlin just a little bit, and it's actually something offhand that he says that I don't know I don't know if I entirely, entirely disagree, but I think that you can do it. He talks about emotional nuance and how narrators, voice actors can bring out that emotional nuance in something when it's animated to help someone connect emotionally a little bit with the learning that they're going through. And then he says how you don't really need the emotional nuance when you're explaining something technical. And I don't know that I agree with that. I feel like you can add emotional nuance in any situation entirely. Because there's an empathy that you can have for the learner who's trying to understand this technical thing. For example, I've done 
this year a bunch of welding courses. And that's pretty technical stuff. We're talking about the chemistry around welding. We're talking about the types of welds and how they are certain ways based on the way the joint is set up and how different welds need to have a certain weld applied at a certain time to be described as this type of weld and that type of weld. It's all technical stuff. And I feel like what you do as a good narrator is you bring the emotional nuance to those technical scripts. If you're going to be narrating all that stuff anyway, you need to be the welder who's got the apprentice, who understands, yeah, there's a lot to learn. Yes, it's difficult. And yes, it's really important that you get all of this right. Because if you don't, someone could get hurt, especially in welding. You know, someone could get hurt during welding. Someone could get hurt because you put a bad weld on something and it broke while... 10 stories in the air, hauling something up. I mean, if it's like welding on a crane or something like that. So the emotional nuance comes from understanding the story behind why the learner is learning it. It's subtle. It's very subtle. And if your job is to just narrate a technical manual for something, it gets really difficult to apply that emotional nuance. If you have a properly written script that's written in a conversational style, it's not just a copy-paste of some subject matter expert's notes or a technical manual, then that's where the emotional nuance can actually come in to something technical and can actually help the learner connect with it on a, on a different level. That said, that's one of the few places I think I not even really disagree. I really am nitpicking on something that kind of feels like an offhanded comment before he moves on to another point. But I feel like it stood out to me enough that I needed to, uh, to riff on it a little bit. All right, so that's basically the end of my riff on what Devlin's saying in this thing. It's, it's about halfway through his video. At about five and a half, he goes into uh, uh, actually a pretty fun little quiz that describes some different e-learning scenarios. And you get to decide whether or not you would apply narration. And I don't think there's anything there that I disagree with or even have much to comment on. Because I feel like it all makes perfect sense. One thing I think is really funny, though, is... He talks about how the best time to use narration is when you have complex visuals or animations, an animated experience where emotional nuance is important. But, and this is just me poking a little bit of fun, but also using this to reinforce my point from earlier about how to apply emotional nuance when, you know, maybe it's more technical than it is emotional. This whole video is just a PowerPoint presentation with narration over the top of it. So it is not a complex visual or animation. And I wouldn't say it's an animated experience, but it still draws the learner in. And so the question is, why does it draw the learner in? The reason it's drawing the learner in is because we've got a narrator who may be a postage stamp in the corner, but you're not paying attention to the narrator's tiny face. That is, I don't know, one thirty-second of this entire uh, image here. You've got a narrator in the corner who, number one, is an expert in what they're talking about, has a point of view, and is trying to engage you emotionally with their point of view in a way that helps you learn a concept and helps you maybe apply that concept later on. And that is the importance of a, an e-learning narrator, whether it's a professional narrator or a DIY narrator. The narrator has to be connected to the script. And even if you don't know what you're talking about, like, for example, I know nothing about welding apart from what I've learned the last few months and what I might have learned in like ninth grade in shop class. I am not the expert in welding, but I have the knowledge in front of me on screen. And my job is to take that information in and become the expert when I'm speaking it out. 
The other phrase I don't want you to glean over when I used it is point of view. That is very important as a narrator. Now, let's go back to my welding scenario. My point of view as the guy who's just narrating welding information is of the journeyman welder, the guy who's, you know, the professional, been on the job 30, 40 years, and I'm teaching an apprentice. I am deeply engaged in this craft, in this 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 apprenticeship and passing it on to him. My job is to make sure that he or she, the person who's learning welding from me, becomes the best welder possible. And that basically just means that when they see a welding symbol on a blueprint, they know exactly what to do. They apply it well in a professional manner and their weld stands the test of time and no one gets hurt. That's my point of view. And so using that point of view and the text on the script, that is how you create that emotional nuance inside of a technical narration. Just like Devlin did in his video here, this is black background, white text. Nothing complex going on here. Literally PowerPoint presentation with narration over the top of it. But it's engaging for 10 minutes because Devlin is engaged in the topic and he is playing the part even though he actually is this thing, he is playing the part of the instructional designer who's instructing the instructional designer, right? He's the professional journeyman who is out there instructing the apprentice. That is your point of view. And that's how you add that emotional nuance and that engagement in yourself and then hopefully that emotional engagement in the learner. To another big question that I actually get all the time, how do I stop sounding like I'm reading? That is the biggest step. You need a point of view. And then you take the words from the script in, you process them through the lens of that point of view as an actor, and you speak them. You don't just read the words on the script and hope it comes out like someone who is saying it or is not reading. If you're just reading, you're just reading. There's no, there's no change. So you have to have a mental state change to that point of view and then narrate your script. Well, I think that's enough for today. What's funny is it's a 10-minute video that he created, and I've created a 15-minute podcast out of it, and I didn't even cover everything in his video. So go check out Devlin's video over on YouTube. You can search for him, Devlin Peck, D-E-V-L-I-N-P-E-C-K, and you'll find plenty of great videos. Also, uh, I'll link in the show notes, and it'll be in the email that I send out with the uh, announcement of the new episode. So feel free to check that out. And if you've got any questions, send them over to host at DIYNarrator.com and I will happily respond and answer and uh, maybe put your question in the podcast. Actually, I think the next episode will be a Q&A episode because I answered a good question via LinkedIn that I want to bring up and riff on in the podcast. It's something we've kind of talked about before, but it's a kind of a unique scenario. So we'll bring it up here. Anyway, to Devlin, thank you so much for the inspiration for the episode that's 50% longer than your video. I really did like it, and uh, like I said, I agreed with basically all of it. And I'm going to go watch the Mayor's Principles video now, because there's got to be something good in there for me to riff on here too. Maybe I should have watched it before. Might have been better equipped for this. But regardless, I will, uh, I'll check it out now, and maybe we'll save that for a future episode. There's got to be something good in there to talk about. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for letting me inside your brain a little bit. 
I hope that you got something of value out of it. If anything else, you now know about Devlin over there. So go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Search for Devlin Peck, D-E-V-L-I-N-P-E-C-K on YouTube. And be sure to subscribe because he's got some good stuff. Puts it out, I think, weekly. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have a great day and stay well.